0: Hello and welcome to the Transcending CRM podcast, a show where we explore how the Salesforce ecosystem has impacted the careers of fellow trailblazers and the businesses that have leveraged dynamic growth from the platform. This podcast is brought to you by Silverline. Silverline is a digital transformation consultancy headquartered in New York City, specializing in financial services, media and entertainment, and healthcare industries. I'm your host, Elliot Spence, Principal Consultant at Silverline, and joining me as always is my co-host, J.P. Owens, Managing Director of Banking and Lending at Silverline. Welcome, J.P. Today, we are joined by Frank Gillen. Frank is a 10-time Salesforce-certified senior consultant. He is also extremely active, and you may have seen him on LinkedIn and YouTube, releasing great content for anyone wanting to quickly learn about Salesforce, Slack, and consulting skills. Welcome to the podcast, Frank. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, It's always fun to have Salesforce talk outside of work. Absolutely. So why don't we go ahead and get started? And uh, Frank, go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you do for fun, where you live, and how you get started in the Salesforce industry. Yeah, sure. So I live
1: outside of the Philadelphia area in terms of what I like to do for fun. In my free time, I enjoy biking around the various trails in southeastern PA, really anything outdoors. And I'm also a huge Philly sports fan, so the Eagles, Sixers, and Phillies always keep things interesting year-round. In terms of Salesforce, I'm currently a senior functional consultant. Uh, One of the things I like most about my role is getting the opportunity to work on different projects that leverage different Salesforce products and clouds. It challenges me to learn new things daily, which is really something I like to do.
0: Awesome, yeah. I'm, I'm share a lot of the same things. And now that I know you like to bike around, I do a lot of that here in Cincinnati. I don't know if there's as great of trails and stuff as there is in philadelphia i did live out there for two years and we can we can talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the podcast as well but what sparked your passion for the platform i, I see in your background you you come from a similar background as both me and jp with financial services and what sparked your interest in a platform and what led you down the path to get into salesforce
1: yeah so what initially sparked my interest for the platform was wanting to learn a new skill that could be transferable to many industries. As you mentioned, I had previously worked in the financial services industry. And At the time, I felt like my skills weren't very transferable. I sort of felt pigeonholed to the financial industry. So that was the initial Salesforce spark that took place. The initial transition to Salesforce wasn't as difficult as, as I thought it would be. Obviously, it was challenging at times because of how new CRM was for me. But in terms of studying, I consider myself a perpetual learner. When I graduated college and entered the finance world, I immediately had to start studying for the Series 6 and Series 63 exam, which was a requirement in order for me to be able to work at my role at Vanguard. After passing those exams, I started gravitating towards the CFA Level 1 exam, which is an extremely difficult exam, requires 7 to 10 textbooks, and studying 5 to 6 months to take a test on a single day that's picked by the CFA Institute. And if you don't pass, you have to wait another 6 months to take it, Unfortunately, I didn't pass the first time, so I gave it another go. And about a year after studying those countless textbooks, I realized that the time investment wasn't worth the ROI of having the CFA level one. So when I started studying for Salesforce, not only was I already used to being in that study mode, I just also loved the fact that you could take the exam three times for each release. So instead of having to wait six months like I did for the CFA exam, uh, failing a Salesforce exam wasn't nearly as dejecting. So that transition into Salesforce just was really refreshing.
2: And Frank, you mentioned your financial services background. So you worked at Vanguard. It looks like you worked at a couple of different banks as well. But what was that one moment or event where you went from being a, well, I'll call a, a legacy banker to maybe a technologist? What, what was it that sparked that either activity where you got into the system or your passion to maybe jump into it?
1: Yeah, so I often in my free time when I was a fun accountant at BNY, I would, you know, watch videos on people entering the tech world, and I just thought it was really interesting how you could sort of build your own career as a, whether it was a programmer or some kind of, you know, hybrid tech person, but just to be able to have that ability to work for various companies and a multitude of industries, that was appealing to me because in the finance world, you're sort of limited to you know what you're familiar with, you know companies that I guess compete with each other or are just sort of in the same industry. So I, I just always wanted to work for various companies, but the only real capacity I could work for any company would be a financial analyst, and that's such a broad term these days that you know those responsibilities vary you know pretty extremely from firm to firm. So I just technology just seemed much more interesting and it's, you know, the skill of the future. And I I didn't want to sort of get myself familiar with skills that might be, you know, fading out within the next five to 10 years due to automation.
2: Awesome. And, and as a Salesforce, I'll call it an admin or maybe a hands-on Salesforce user in the bank or in your financial institution you're working at, what was the first project that you were able to work with? And, and what are some of the key learnings that that you had from that project for how how to help others be successful maybe getting their hands on it the first time as an admin or an analyst or uh, just participating in the first project at their financial institution.
1: So yeah, that that was the unique thing about it. In terms of when I was in the, you know, the financial services industry, I actually had no exposure to Salesforce. I didn't get my first exposure in a financial role per se until I was a Salesforce business analyst for a local bank outside of Philadelphia. When I was in that role, it was about 50% salesforce 50% data budgeting and financial models within excel so that was probably the first exposure i had but at the time i had already had that admin cert but i was still you know given the opportunity to sort of share the the various salesforce features with those bank users that you know maybe don't really know about what reports and dashboards really can do for them at the time they were pretty committed to the excel spreadsheets and the various things that lived outside of a, a more connected CRM.
2: So as an admin where you helped people adopt, understand what capabilities they had there, now, now you're a consultant. So what are some of the things you feel are often overlooked by clients as they work through a project that will help them be more successful on the platform?
1: Yeah, so I, I think clients often overlook out of the box functionality. And that's a joke that probably won't stick with many people outside of consulting. But uh, all joking aside, I think that clients tend to overlook user adoption as a significant piece of the overall investment. No matter how much better Salesforce technology is than the client's existing systems or processes, if those improvements aren't communicated properly to the end user, user adoption will ultimately suffer. So typically, you can't just list the improvements for end users. You have to prove it to them by demonstrating via a demo or providing factual data on things such as how much time it will save the user to use Salesforce over the existing system or process. And I think that's something that not only has to be communicated by the consultants, but by leadership of the of the client and, and to really drive that adoption via proof is in the pudding kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with those two anymore. I mean, it's something we're always talking about is user adoption, what's in it for them, Building out things that really is going to add value to them, but then teaching them and showing them how it's going to add that value so they can get that adoption and the out of the box stuff is something I'm always harping on as well Is why are we going to do things that are custom when there's there's solutions out of the box that we can leverage. One of the things I mentioned at the beginning of this, of this episode, of this recording, is that you're extremely active on social media. And uh, that's one of the things I'm always watching the videos that you release on LinkedIn and YouTube around Salesforce, Slack, and just consulting tips. So what motivated you to start doing that and how do you come up with some of the content that you're going to be releasing
1: Yeah, so I appreciate that you've even checked that out. It's nice to know that, you know, others are viewing it. What what initially motivated me to start releasing Salesforce content on YouTube was to help Salesforce newcomers by providing free learning resources that might help them land their first Salesforce job or transition out of a a different industry. Because when I first started my Salesforce journey, there were countless people within the ecosystem that were always willing to help provide advice or guidance. And, and half of those people, I didn't even really know other than just being connected on LinkedIn. So I felt like I, it was only right for me to give back in the same way that others helped myself. In terms of coming up with content, I initially started with what I considered Salesforce basics, which are the topics related to the admin exam. But over time, I started creating videos around topics that I personally was learning in my career. And I figured not only would it help to create the content to benefit others, but It would also help me solidify what i was learning as well by teaching it so really i just felt it was it was a win-win overall
0: i'm the type that when i jumped into salesforce initially for the first time in like 2016 or something like that there were good resources out there but now you know there's just more and more always coming out and i'm the type of learner that i got to be hands on but i also like to watch a video see somebody work through it and explain it rather than reading everything so Reading helps, being hands-on helps, but ultimately it's those videos and being hands-on. So yeah, I think the the stuff you put out there is great. And it's the perfect bite-sized chunks where it's like a five to seven minute video rather than needing to sit down. If it's like 40 minutes or an hour, people are going to tune in and then, you know, something comes up and they have to drop off. But you have like perfect bite-sized chunk videos of like five to seven minutes of walking through and explaining at a high level the topic and what it is. And people can move on and, you know, they're great. And I think it's, they had a lot of value If people. If you're listening, you haven't watched them yet. Definitely tune in. It's, it's worth your while.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. And that's the goal too, to keep them short enough that people will actually take the time out to learn something new, even if it's not something that they, you know, are planning to, to study or, or to learn in the near future. You know, it's just something, like you said, bite-sized that hopefully benefits others.
0: I was jumping into him before I took my Slack admin exam.
2: Well, those videos are great. I I was I think we talked on another episode back when I was getting into this. There wasn't really Trailhead. So I used to watch all kinds of videos and Trailhead's amazing, but it's really the happy path. So sometimes it's helpful to learn something from others, whether it's a a blog or a video where you can kind of dig into that. And every org is a little bit unique. And sometimes the business challenges across industries are also unique. So, Frank, I'm curious from your perspective now, going from a a user, an admin, kind of an advocate of the platform and, and as well as a consultant. What are some of the things that have changed for you in regards to how you approach problems or coming up with solutions in an org? And how do you come up with your solutions for them?
1: Yeah, as I've moved through the various roles in the Salesforce ecosystem, I've sort of had a natural progression of getting better at Salesforce problem solving in general. Uh, The experience that I gain from each project becomes a learning experience for the next one. Solutioning becomes less challenging over time as you become more familiar with the various Salesforce products and capabilities. So really I just try to learn from, you know, from going from a Salesforce user to admin to now consultant. It's just something that feels like a natural organic progression of learning and then becoming more of an expert in various products and capabilities Salesforce offers.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing you mentioned earlier which is a common theme with everyone we talk to is it's not always about the technology. It's really around the business process, the business strategy and how does the business hope to solve that problem and then we'll make the technology work but really communicating how it's going to work and make sure it's been designed in a way that fits the business persona is probably one of the most critical things outside of what can the tool do for you so i want to pivot a little bit so we're recording this the week after dreamforce i think i got home from dreamforce a little bit over a full week ago dreamforce this year was the same footprint as what it was years past but definitely a lot less participants there were a lot of exciting announcements and a lot of cool things that I, I think were reiterated this year or kind of really integrated. I know Slack being a big one of those, also a lot of the CDP and Genie items were really exciting announcements. But I don't know, were you at Dreamforce this year? And and if you weren't, um, what was your take on some of the, the Salesforce Plus content and kind of what were the best sessions you viewed or what were some of the coolest announcements that um, you're most looking forward to taking advantage of here soon?
1: Yeah. So I wasn't able to attend in person this year. I was originally supposed to, but just due to circumstances, couldn't. From what I, you know, saw on Salesforce Plus, uh, Salesforce Genie was definitely the talk of the town. Pretty excited to learn more about that as more information, you know, becomes available. But other than Salesforce Genie, I'm a huge fan of Slack, and I thought the release of Gov Slack was a cool addition. It's a version of Slack that runs in a government-certified cloud environment. So I think them expanding their, you know ability or capabilities within that Slack platform is just an exciting step. And just knowing that everything's going to be moving towards Slack in the near future, you know, it's an exciting um, thing to, to be a part of and anything Slack, I think is great for the Salesforce future.
2: I agree. Slack is one of those tools where if you have worked in financial services prior to kind of the last 12 to 18 months, Slack really wasn't something many FIs are considering, but now I'm seeing it pop up in a lot of relationships where banks maybe have a banking as a service program or they partner with a lot of fintechs or a lot of partners like like Silverline and having Slack at your disposal to to collaborate and kind of plan around projects and programs is, is starting to become a key part of the business. So I'm excited to see where it goes across the whole FI landscape. And I think we're going to hear more and more about Slack and some of the automation capabilities every couple of releases. So it's, it's exciting as well.
1: Yeah. Just, just seeing that it's a digital HQ and seeing how you can collaborate and it breaks down those email siloed walls and no more email chains and ways to collaborate with clients. And then the internal teams, it's just just an amazing platform, but you know, just to to reiterate, it's just an exciting time to be a part of the Slack Salesforce space.
0: Yeah. I really like Slack. Um, It's like, I think it was the last certification I took and like I said, I was watching some of your videos before I took it. And around Genie, something I'm really excited about, also definitely want to get in, learn a lot more about it, get hands on with it. Uh, I think I'm going to wait for your video, Frank, on Genie before I jump into that. So, you know, no pressure, but we're waiting on it. We're waiting on it. So one, one thing I like to ask everybody, all of our guests, um, because at some point in time, we are all beginning and we we're new in Salesforce. So if anybody's listening that is a new Salesforce admin or they're getting ready to get their you know, their hands into the system, what is one piece of advice you would give to anybody that's new coming into the Salesforce ecosystem for the first time as an admin?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question. And I, I appreciate that question, even only being a little over two years into the ecosystem, I think it's important. The one piece of advice that I would give to others entering the Salesforce ecosystem is don't compare yourself to others. Everyone has a different path or journey in the ecosystem and no one has the exact same path. The best thing anyone can do is to compare themselves to themselves. And the goal is that, you know, the version of you today will be impressed with the version of you tomorrow or the version of you one year from now. You know, you just want to always continue learning and and improving and, you know, uh, appreciating your quick wins and your long-term wins.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's something like when you get on LinkedIn, especially if you're, heavy into the Salesforce ecosystem, you're gonna see everybody posting about, I just got this certification, I just completed this badge. And you rarely see people that post about like, hey, I failed this. And those are the ones that I, I actually like to see those more because I think it's gonna motivate others like, oh, because this person's really smart. I see them all the time and they're posting about how they they did not pass this this time around. And they're posting about what they're gonna do differently and how they're gonna prepare for it or how they're gonna learn this new product. So I, I agree 100%. Don't compare yourself to others. Everybody has a different path. We all learn differently. Just keep your head down and keep moving forward. So no, I, I agree
1: 100%. Right. And honestly, I, I try to share when I fail as well for that exact reason. I've had several posts of failing certain exams or whether it was Salesforce or not, but it is good to share those. You know, I wouldn't say losses, but those failures are like a necessary step in the learning process most often. Uh, no one's going to be a perfect 10 for 10.
2: I think that's great. And I personally, I know the last one I tried to take was the one of the new experience designer ones. And I thought I would give it a shot without studying too much. And there's definitely some unique terminology there that you definitely need to be familiar with before you jump into some of these. So if you don't really have the the study guide to really understand what you're getting into. Some of the concepts may be a little bit different. So it's always nice to be able to take it once or twice and, and not have to take too much of an investment there. But Elliot, I, I think that's interesting. I, I used to work with somebody or I, I work with somebody who used to take a lot of lunches with their uh, mother. And I've I, seen that was my like, code.
0: I- that was my code for I'm going to take a long lunch and go take an exam because I didn't want anybody to ask me how I did when I came back. <laughs> so I was like, hey, I'm going to go take I'm going to go to a lunch with my mom. <laughs> it that's worked great.
1: every time. Worked I'm gonna every start time. Use, I'm gonna start using that one. That, that's a good
2: one. Yeah, so that, that's a fun fact about Elliot. I used to always say, like, man, you and your mom have a great relationship, but uh you go to lunch all the time. But no, it was him getting all of his certifications back in the day, so so Frank, last question for me, um, similar to Elliot's fun fact about lunches, we typically ask everybody about a fun fact or an accomplishment or something unique about yourself that maybe others don't know, uh, maybe an icebreaker type of a thing. So for you, what what is something unique that maybe many people don't know about you, whether it's Salesforce related or otherwise?
1: So yeah, my, my fun fact sort of goes around the whole biking. I mentioned in the beginning of the, the podcast, I got into biking uh, when I was an intern at a bank in Philadelphia back in 2015. They were offering free, I guess you could almost call them vouchers to a marathon that was going to be from Philadelphia to the Atlantic City Boardwalk. And the, it was like a $250 you know, admission fee. And I was going to get that waived for being an intern. And I go home and I tell my family and they're telling me like, there's no way you're going to bike 70 miles from Philly to Atlantic City. So right there, when someone tells me like you, you can't, like I'm automatically just gonna wake up the next day and be like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna start biking now. So, I biked from Philly to Atlantic City that summer, and then I've I've just been hooked ever since. So just being challenged uh, by one person uh, could create a whole brand new hobby.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's something that you know I I've gotten into a little bit around around biking. Like I said, I don't think there's as great of trails around Cincinnati. But yeah, it's something I, I really enjoy to do is just getting out, staying active, trying to do it early in the morning, actually, rather than later in the day, because it's, well, not this time of year, but it usually gets pretty hot out. And I just, I like doing it first thing in the morning. But pivot to the last question I have uh, around Salesforce. It's very much Salesforce related, but being somebody that lived in, I lived in Doylestown, which is about just north of Philadelphia for two and a half years, but what do you consider if, I, if people are coming into Philadelphia and, you know, they're famous for their cheesesteaks, what is the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia?
1: That's a, that's a good question. I tell people personally, it's actually a little outside of Philadelphia. It's called DeLisandro's. It still has a Philadelphia zip code, I believe, but it's not exactly right in, in uh, Center City. I'd say the whole Gino's Pat thing is more of a, uh, you know, a touristy thing. But yeah, Della Sandra's uh, hands down has the best cheesesteak in my opinion.
0: I never had that when I lived out there, but I do agree with the Ginos and Pat's. It's cool to see. It's a touristy thing and it's, you know, they're right across the street from each other. Especially at night, they're all lit up, they're all bright. But I liked Jim's on South Street, which I Googled it. I was like, I wonder if it's even still open because it's been a while since I've been out there they're temporarily closed right now because of fire but those were some of the best i ever had when i was out there so recommend everybody to get out there to travel around and try a different one try different ones
1: yeah i feel like Jim's is familiar i don't know if it was an athlete potentially kobe bryant someone had mentioned that that was their favorite spot in philly but yeah i've heard a lot of good things about gyms
0: yeah absolutely it's a it's a good place i liked it so if i get back to philadelphia it's one of the places i'm definitely gonna go try but you know, wrapping up the podcast, Frank, I, you, we're talking a lot about your your videos and everything. So tell our listeners how they can find you on some of the different social media avenues to follow you and view the content that you release.
1: Yeah, so you can connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn, just Frank Gillen. And then with the YouTube channel, it's called Cloud Qualified. And, you know, uh, most of the videos I release are daily videos around Salesforce, Slack personal branding, and career advice. And uh, yeah, those are the two main platforms
0: that I'm mostly on. Awesome, yeah. I definitely recommend everybody following, especially if you're newer to Salesforce, you're a beginner and just want some quick hit videos and learning about Salesforce, Slack, and consulting. It's definitely worth your while. Yeah, no,
1: I appreciate it. And, and thank you both for having me again.
0: No, thank you. And uh, to our audience, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and make sure you leave us a review. To learn more about Silverline, you can subscribe to the Silverline blog at silverlinecrm.com or follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at SilverlineCRM, one word. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.